Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. I want to tell you a story this morning, and I I want to tell you the story of one of the greatest athletes ever to set foot on a track in the last hundred years. His name was Roger Bannister. Some of you may know who he is and what he accomplished, but many of you may have never heard of him before. Roger Bannister defied all odds when he broke the four-minute mile in 1954, busting through this seemingly impossible barrier with a time of three minutes, 59 and four-tenths of a second. Men had been actively trying to do this since 1886. They used science. They waited for perfect weather conditions. They had high-level coaching with, with very specific training. Yet no one in 68 years was able to do it. Running a mile in under four minutes was deemed impossible by many professionals. They had done everything imaginable to break this barrier in the years past. It just wasn't broken. The experts believed they knew the precise conditions to succeed. It would have to be a perfect weather day, like I said, 68 degrees with no wind, on a particular kind of track, had to be hard, dry clay kind of a track, and in front of a huge cheering crowd, pushing the runner onto his best performance. The funny thing is, is that Roger Bannister did, did it on a cold day, on a wet track at a small track meet in Oxford, England before a crowd of just a few thousand people. It's also interesting that Bannister didn't listen to those experts. He was some sort of a loner and trained himself without the expert coaches and specific training that they all said he would need to be successful in breaking this four-minute barrier. He defied them all, which all of this and, and... in and of itself is is a great story of triumph in athletic success. But what is learned by the events following his victory in 1954 are even more notable to us today. 46 days after Bannister succeeded, John Landy, a runner from Australia, did it again and actually beat Bannister's time. Bannister had the record for 46 days after 68 years of people trying. He ran it in, this this guy Landy, John Landy from Australia, he ran it in three minutes and 58 seconds. Then just a year later, three more runners broke the four-minute barrier in a single race. In the last 50 years, more than well or, or well over a thousand runners, I guess you could say, have broken and conquered this barrier that was once considered impossible. So what does that teach us? Well, we know that Roger Bannister was a great athlete, but it wasn't his athletic ability that helped him overcome this barrier. It was his mental ability to believe. What a lesson to learn, how our level of achievement is is very closely connected, how closely it's related and connected to our level of belief. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, your achievement Come on, participate a little bit. It's connected to your belief. The amount you achieve 
is connected to how much you believe. It's a fact. Roger Bannister held the world record in the one-mile run, again, for 46 days. He did something unbelievable, something that no one had ever done before. But once he had done it, people started believing that it could be done, and so many people followed in his footsteps and beat it right after him. I wonder how many of the athletes that tried to break the four-minute barrier between 1886 and 1954 failed in their attempts simply because they didn't believe within their hearts that they could do it. After all, it had never been done before. You can't do that. It hasn't been done. I wonder how many of the men that have done it since 1954 would have succeeded if Roger hadn't accomplished it first. This belief thing is, is so fascinating to me. And this story hits home to me as well. I used to run the mile. I know it doesn't look like it. I'll just drop my time off here. I did run it in 429. Yeah, it's awesome. But it wasn't enough to win anything. And you think, well, 29 seconds isn't that much to break the four-minute barrier. Unbelievable amount. It's like over half a track. I mean, you have to sprint so much further just to get one second off your time. When you get down into that 4.30 and you break even a five-minute mile, all of a sudden it's just that much harder every time to take those seconds off, just one second, that you have to run the whole race. It's just fascinating to me because this belief thing plays out to be true across every area of our life. Belief is always at least half the battle. For athletes, it can be the difference between winning and losing. In business, it can determine success or failure. In our personal relationships, it can mean longevity or flash-in-the-pan kind of relationships. But one of them just refused. Uh, but, but one of, one of I'm sorry, I, I have, I've had some counseling appointments, got mixed up on my notes here, with some couples who were great for one another, marriage counseling kind of things. But one of them just refused to believe that they were lovable. And eventually their belief became the reality of their spouse. Our, our ability to believe is a big deal in all of our life. Belief is one of the things that's required for salvation. It's not the only thing. We must also submit to Christ as we continually give him our heart and our lives every day. But that would be impossible to do if we first didn't believe. And with the free will that the Lord has given us, we can decide to believe whatever we want. We can believe there is a God. We can believe there isn't. We can believe that hell exists. We don't have to believe that it exists. It doesn't change the fact that it does. You can believe that you are capable of forgiving a person who's hurt you. You can believe that heaven is a real place, that the Lord is preparing for you. Or that it's just a, a lie you've been told to give you hope that there's something beyond this life. You can believe you're special. You can believe that God has a purpose and a calling on your life or not. You can believe that God is at work through the trials in your life. That he's at work to cause everything happening around you to work together for good. You can choose to believe anything you want. And there's power in that if you believe the right thing. Jesus also spoke of the power of belief. He used every opportunity. Don't you just love how Jesus used every opportunity to teach? 
especially in regards to his kingdom and how it all works. But in Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29, there's a story in scripture here where Jesus encounters something pretty interesting and he says some pretty interesting things. So I wanna read it to you this morning. 14, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. Of course they were. I mean, other religious are always arguing with you. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes so rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast the evil spirit out of him, but they could not do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? Some versions say, how long must I put up with you? Well, that, it says that next, actually. How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Verse 20, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, wreathing and foaming at the mouth. How many have ever seen something like this happen before? I have. It was more commonplace, it seems like, in Scripture than it is today. But a lot of, seems, as you read through the Gospels, there seemed Jesus came across a lot of this. Verse 21, how long has it been, or how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The Spirit often throws him into a fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. And this is what Jesus says. What do you mean, if I can? <laughs> I just love that. What do you mean, if I can? I wonder how he said that. Uh, what do you mean, if I can? You talking to me? I mean, I try to imagine these things. It just makes me laugh sometimes. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. And he says this, anything is possible if a person believes. Those are powerful words. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. I'm trying to believe. I have a level of belief, but help me overcome that little bit of unbelief that's still there. You guys know what I'm talking about? You, you decide to believe, you know you believe, but there's that little bit of nagging unbelief still in there. He goes, help me overcome my unbelief. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter in again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and stood, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. And I would say there, by a life of prayer. A life of prayer. There's so much in this account 
of Jesus healing this boy, but of course I want to focus on the statement Jesus makes in 20, verse 23. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. If a person believes. Believes or belief is a word that's so con closely connected to the word faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Another version puts it this way. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And there are several Greek words in the New Testament that are translated into the word faith. But the most common is the word pistis. Pistis. This word carries with it the idea of trust. I have faith or belief in someone or something so much, in fact, that it brings me to the point of action. I trust as the result of true faith or belief. I trust to the point of it becoming second nature to think in a certain way because I believe it so strongly. Faith is the persuasion, church. It's the persuasion of the mind that a certain statement is true. Philippians 1, 27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or, or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for faith of the gospel. The assurance within that is part of true faith or belief will bring about one-track mind thinking. I know God will do it. Where that unbelief doesn't creep in there and kind of hold you hostage. It's easy to become a waffler. How many had a waffle for breakfast this morning? You can eat waffles, but don't become a waffler. Don't be double-minded. Don't be like, yeah, I know God promised this, but I don't think he, I don't, I know God wants to do that. No, I don't. I've been down this road before, but it didn't work out, so I'm over here. Standing firm within your thoughts. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you build up that faith so that doubt can't creep in? You have to hear the word. And this is how you build your ability to believe. You get into the word of God. Faith is a byproduct. It's the byproduct of being taught the word of God, whether through reading it yourself or hearing it preached or taught properly. Inundating yourself with the word of God. Listening to it. Reading it yourself. Turning on podcasts whenever you can. Not wasting any time, but filling yourself with the word, the word, the word, the word. Because how many know in this life, there are some trials that will come by you. And you're going to have to have faith in those moments. You're going to have to stand firm and believe and not be double-minded. Well, I'll read the word then. It may be too late then. That's why you get in the word now and you saturate yourself with it now. Because it builds up a faith and assurance and helps you believe. I hope you understand the implications of what I'm saying this morning. To hear the word of God, again, to be so saturated with it that your belief or faith in him 
being able to do the impossible in your life. It just comes naturally. That's your first thought. That's your, that's your you know, it's just how your mind is. Well, God can take care of that. God can take care of that. God can take care of that. It's like this. I'm going to take this stool right here. If this stool is sitting here, and I decide that my legs are tired, and I walk up to it, oh, a stool, I think I'll sit down. I didn't even give it a second thought, did I? What, what could you have a second thought about? Well, will that stool support my weight? Will this stool not crumble underneath me when I sit? Is it sure? Is it firm? Is it... I didn't even think about it. My legs were tired, I sat down. I have faith in the chair. I don't even think about it. What if we were so saturated with the word of God that we had faith in God like we do in a chair? Think about that. What if we had so much faith because we heard the word of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What if we had so much faith that when those trials, those tribulations, those situations, those circumstances happened, that fear wasn't even an option. That faith just came naturally. That our belief that God was about to do something great just was our second nature thought. We have faith in chairs. We have faith in all sorts of things. Some of you have faith in the economy. Some of you put your faith in a building. What if your faith was in God like that? For every situation that comes along. How many know your God is a big God? I mean, he is big. Is it really that hard to believe He's going to take care of it and make everything okay. But, 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 but what if he doesn't? That's not an option. If you live in that place of fear and you can't believe or you just have that unbelief always nagging you, and I'm not saying that you haven't experienced letdowns before or situations or circumstances, all that stuff. I get why we get there sometimes, but church, never stop believing in God's power and God's ability to get you through anything. Never stop. What, 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 what if this happens? In the big picture, it doesn't matter. God is bigger than all of it. He's bigger than all of it. We're so narrow-minded. We don't think about the bigness and the vastness of God. What if my belief, not just in God, but his ability and his, and his desire to do it in me, or through me, or for me? What if it's just second nature? What if it came so naturally that it was like trusting in the chair? I, our lives would be different. I'll tell you what would happen if our faith was like that. Marriages would be healed. Diseases would be miraculously healed. Miracles of weather would take place. Prodigals would come home. Personality quirks would be left at the altar never to be picked up again. You know, I've heard so many times people say, well, that's just a personality quirk that I have. 
Lay it at the altar and quit letting it be a quirk. I mean, your quirk's destroying you, so stop it. Right? Give it to God and walk away. Insecurities would be overcome. Addictions would be conquered. Victim mentality would be replaced with victorious living. Should I go on? Depression and anxiety would fall, would fall off us like raggedy old clothes, and we would have the ability to put on our garments of praise and be full of joy. Cancers would be cured. Finances would be provided. Restoration, redemption, deliverance, and fulfillment. All of it would be possible if our faith in God was like our faith in a chair. Faith, belief, whatever you want to call it, it, it's the spark that ignites the impossible. Belief is the catalyst. You have an issue or a circumstance or a problem or a situation or however you want to say it, you have something like that staring you in the face. Belief is the spark that ignites the impossible. Belief is the catalyst. God responds to faith. He responds to our belief because it is such a high form of praise. I say, how is that a high form of praise? Because your, you, your belief screams that you believe God will do it again. That God is able. That he is bigger than your problem. That he is bigger than your situation. That kind of belief is why the miraculous can take place. Lack of faith can be why the miraculous does not take place. Jesus said, if you believe, all things would be possible. That's what he said. We just read it. If you believe, all things are possible, right? And of course, we understand that not everything we want is always in line with God's will. Our desires don't just automatically line up with his. I mean, there's a lot of things I wish for. It doesn't mean it's God's will, right? I wish God miraculously you would make me 200 pounds. Didn't work. Guess God's not in the miraculous business, is, it? is he? I, it's his will that I'm 200 pounds, by the way. He expects me to do something about it, though, right? Our desires just don't automatically line up with his. But as we seek him, we will know those things that are his will. As we read his word, there will be confirmation about what God's will is. Jesus says all things are possible to them that believe, and really is implying according to his will. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to the, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is. So as we get in the word and we hear the word, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our faith is built up and our mind becomes transformed. It's renewed. And then we're, under, we're, we're able to discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for our lives. Well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, then get in the word. What do you think God's will is for my life? I don't know. Get in the word. Well, I wish you'd just tell me it all at once so I could just get in the Word. Listen to it. Saturate yourself. I mean, the miracle of the Internet is so awesome. You have never had more opportunity to get in the Word as you have right now. I mean, there's countries in centuries past that have 
I mean, ban the Bible, and groups of believers would get a couple pages of the Word of God, and they would treat it like, like it was treasure, because it is. And they would read those same pages over and over and over, and that's the only word they have. Now, we can have the Word of God anytime we want, whenever we want, in any style we want, in any version we want. It's all in our pocket all the time, and we don't read it. And we wonder, why are things going wrong for me? Man, get in the Word. When we allow ourselves to put our trust in God, our, com our complete faith and belief in Him, when we do that, anything is possible, church, because our belief will be there. Mark 6, 1 through 6 says this, and I think this is interesting as far as a lack of faith is concerned. Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, good old hometown, old Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many of the listeners were astonished, saying, Man, where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is, this, is not this the carpenter? Not, not Ben Carpenter. Is this not this the carpenter? The son of Mary and the brother of James and, and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. <laughs> they took offense at him because they knew him and he was preaching and teaching really good stuff. And a few miracles were performed. How dare he? Who does he think he is? I mean, he's from Nazareth. How dare he? I'm offended. I'm completely offended that Jesus healed somebody. I knew him as a child. How, who does he think he is? How does he get away with that? That sounds ridiculous, but we do the same thing in the church. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and his own household. And it says this, a very interesting verse. We know he did some miracles, but it says in verse 5, And he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Like, oh, that's just a little miracle. How many would love to see some lay some hands on and see some sick people recovered, right? That'd be awesome. The Bible even just says, though, that he could do no, like, I kind of take that as big miracles or mass miracles, or there was many miracles that could have been done that weren't done. Why? Because Jesus was mad that they were offended? No. And he could do no miracle there except that he lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he wondered at their unbelief. Their unbelief was the reason. Church, we need to believe. And that's a hard thing. Because it's in our very nature to be pessimistic. It's in our very nature to think about everything that's happened in the past and then say, well, how, how, how is this any different? Someone's got Waylon Jennings on their phone. There we go. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's right. I wonder if the ruts that we stay in are the result of our continued unbelief. The unbelief that God can't get, a, get you out of it. The unbelief that God doesn't want to get you out of it. Punishment for bad behavior. 
unbelief that you can, that, that you can, uh, that you actually can have the faith that it takes, the belief that it takes. Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. The Greek word translated possible here is the word dunata. It shares the same root word as the word dunamis, which a lot of us know what dunamis means, which is the Greek word for power. This is to say that our belief, even our level of belief, unleashes a power that causes one to become able, capable, and competent for any task that God has led us to take on. I don't know about you, but when God leads me to do something, I feel real small. I feel like, I don't know if I can do that. I remember I came to this church as a youth pastor, and, and I, I, you know, it wasn't a huge church, it was a huge building. And I remember thinking, I, I can youth pastor this, it's a startup, I'm kind of a startup kind of guy, I like to start things. And I remember one day, when Pastor Calloway started saying, you know, you're going to be the pastor of this church. I didn't know about that. But he kept saying it over and over and over. I remember one day I was way up in that corner up there by that door, way up there. That's Patrick up there. Hi, Patrick. Yeah. Way up there. And I looked down, and, and the place just looked enormous. And I'm like, God, I can't pastor that. I'm a nobody. I don't have the gifts it takes. I don't have the ability. I don't know what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. Church, it's about what he can do through you, not what you bring to the table. Because every single one of us can bring jack squat nothing to the table, really, when it comes down to it. Belief is so important. talk a lot about kingdom builders around here building his kingdom here on earth until he comes again and this of course is referring to winning people to Christ as well as bringing his power and authority to every situation that we find ourselves in and it takes a level of faith and belief I've never been one to do the status quo thing just steady as she goes just, just hold the course I always want to do something new big exciting do the next thing the next thing that God's calling us to do and we must believe that restoration and deliverance can happen when we pray for people. We gotta believe that, church. Someone said, well, you, you, you really can't change people. People just aren't gonna ever change. If I believe that, if we believe that as a church, then close the doors, because there's no reason to be here. But people can change. It might take a while, but people can change. Amen. That was kind of a half-hearted clap. You can... Either sit on your hands or clap. Don't do it half-heartedly, all right? It's like kissing your sister, which I've never done. So, I mean, people can change, right? All right, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> they can. We're all living proof of that, right? We gotta believe that Restoration and deliverance can happen when we pray for people. We must believe that salvations and changed hearts will happen as we share the gospel. And we must understand that in God's economy, belief always leads. Belief, there's that word again. It always leads. His word builds our faith and belief, and then he responds with his kingdom coming forth and doing the impossible. I think, 
as Christians, as children of the Most High God, who are saved and set free and delivered and filled with His Holy Spirit like we are, we ought to be doing things that nobody thought were possible. I mean, things way out, big, incredible things that are just off the scale big. And we haven't even begun to think of those things yet. And why? So we can pat ourselves on the back? No, so that we can display how big our God is. Because he's big. Well, that church is awesome. They really work hard. And that's a good thing. I think we should always work hard. But I'd rather have people say, man, God does some amazing things in that church. Belief is part of that. You know, there was a... I'm wrapping up here. Some of you are getting fidgety. That's okay. Um, About 12 years ago or so, or maybe even more than that, I had learned of an opportunity possibly that... um, there's these things in Iowa called free clinics. And so it was always kind of this thing that was back in my heart and in my, down in my belly, you know, like, ooh, that, that sounds awesome. That sounds like something we should do. That sounds like that fits within our core values as a church and everything like that. And yet, it didn't seem right timing. I mean, you're talking about money. You're talking about people. You're talking about all sorts of things. You can dream about ministry, but until you can facilitate it and, and, and administrate it, it it's kind of just a, a pipe dream, right? So we're thinking about it. We're, you know, put it on the prayer shelf for years. It's probably one of the things that I put on the prayer shelf longer than anything else. And um, all of a sudden it came back up not too long ago. And um, we have stepped forward in doing that. The board has approved it. Uh, we will have a clinic within this building, a free medical clinic within this building that will be open to people free of charge to get medical uh, uh, attention, medical care, uh, right here within this building. And we've done it in a way where it's separate from the rest of the church, which I think is awesome. It's not, it's not for the church people here necessarily. It's for the community. And some, you know, one of, some of the impossible things that come with that are people say, well, why would, and these are the naysayers, right? How many, how many know who naysayers are? Have, have you ever read the book uh, um, uh, Dream Giver? It was one of our book of the months. You should read that. I think there's still some copies available. But the Dream Giver calls these naysayers the border bullies that have nicknamed you ordinary and they want to keep you in that place called familiar. I don't want to be in the place called familiar, and I don't want to be ordinary. But the naysayers, they come out and they say, well, I don't know if you can do that. That doesn't seem like something you should do. Let me tell you one thing. We've got space in this building. It's one thing we have a lot of. We use just about every bit of it, but we have space, don't we? Praise God, and it's all paid for every square inch. Hallelujah. Even a sanctuary remodel that we just did for cash. Awesome. Who does that? First Assembly in Indianola does it. It's awesome. God does it through, for us, and we, we love him for it. But you know, um, space is not a problem, and things have worked out to where we can put a, a nice space in. We had a bunch of people in the other night, a bunch of men with big hammers, and they knocked out some walls, and oh, daddy, it looks good back there. It's coming together. 
and then money to revenate. I've had or to, to renovate. I, I have um, uh, people who have given large sums of money already to make this thing happen. People within the community who don't even go to church here have given money, and I, I just I'm telling you, it's coming together. And if you want to give to something like that, you can. Um, we have electricians who have said we want to do the electrical work for free for that. I've got people coming out of the woodwork, and it's just like whoosh, coming together. Had to have faith. Had to believe. Had to put it on the shelf for 12 years so it was right timing, but it's right timing, church. Some of you go, well, how, how would you, I mean, anybody naysaying out there? How would you do the insurance for something like that? It's already covered. State of Iowa takes care of free medical clinic insurances. Isn't that nice? Why would you want to do that? We have a clinic. Why do you need that? Because there are people in our community who, who have insurance even, but who can't afford to use it. They can't afford it. We also have doctors and nurses, nurse practitioners. We have people who are are physician assistants within the church who want to do a ministry like this because they got into medicine to help people. And I I, I don't know if it's, am I saying this right? There's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of hoops to jump through when it comes to insurances and government and all that stuff that kind of sucks the life out of why you got into medical, the, the medical field in the first place. They, people can come in here and we can pray for them. M- Michelle, you can, you can diagnose them because of your knowledge, but you can lay hands on them and pray for them if they want. How cool is that? That's awesome. God has just put it together. And, and I, I, this is just one of those little things. And yes, you could probably do this in the natural, but supernaturally, it's coming together so fast and so quickly, it's just blowing my mind. Can you imagine the, the outreach that this is going to be, the potential? It's mind-blowing. I mean, how many would, how many would say today, I, I have been in a rut. Maybe this whole COVID thing. Who's sick of the COVID rut? I mean, come on. I'm sick of it. people saying, oh, oh, we're never going to go back to normal. I don't want to go back to normal, but I ain't going to live under the thumb of COVID the rest of my life. Telling you that. I got stuff to do. I mean, I got stuff to do. Right? We got things to do as a church. And I'm not saying being uh, irresponsible or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. Don't don't get on the internet and start telling me, oh, because Pastor Donnie will make a noise with his hand like like that. That's what he'll do what he does <laughs> I'm so professional aren't I sorry how many are ready to get out of the rut of disbelief and start living your spiritual life to the fullest again I mean oh. how many would say you're ready to have the courage and I say that word courage to believe for the miraculous once again. To believe that anything is possible. That you don't have to be, you don't have to live your life in bondage to sin or addiction. That God loves you enough that even though you've run a million miles away from him, that it's only one step back to him. And he's gonna receive you with open arms. See, it takes courage to believe that again. And I think that's what holds so many people back from everything that God has for them is because they just, they just don't believe anymore. 
Well, I've gone too far away. I've walked too far away. I've run too far. I'm, I'm unforgivable. I'm a mess. I've created such a disaster in my life that, that I could never get back to that. Yes, you can. One drop of Jesus' blood will absolutely wash away every stain of sin of your past, and you can be free, and you can be new, and you can be revived in your spirit, and you can become the person that Jesus wants you to be. You don't have to live according to those lies, church. Anything is possible for the person that believes. And that kind of faith or belief, is, it's, it's not just automatic. It takes hearing the word of God, but the effort that it requires is so little compared to the results God wants to bring. After all, he said that it only takes the faith of what? A mustard seed to move mountains. I don't care what kind of mountain you have in your life. Fill yourself up with the word, build up your faith, and believe that God can take that mountain and throw it into the sea once and for all. I'm all worked up. I don't know how to end. God, I'm so sorry for our unbelief. You are so big. Your power is limitless. You live on the inside of us. And we sit in our stinking thinking and don't believe. God, forgive us for unbelief that you can still deliver, that you can still set free, that you can still heal. We don't always get the answers we want. We don't always have the answers to all the questions that, that, that come up in our heart. But God, we do make a commitment today that we will believe what you said in your word to be truth. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.